Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in High Fidelity. This is Pop Health Week on the Blog Talk Radio and Affiliate Networks. This episode is brought to you by Health Innovation Media, where we monitor and engage thought leaders in the innovation space from ACOs to integrative delivery systems and all points in between. Welcome, everyone. I'm Greg Masters, the producer and co-host of the show. And in the virtual studio today is my colleague, Fred Goldstein principal co-host and co-founder of Pop Health Week. Hey, Fred. Hey, Greg. Looking forward to this fantastic show today. It's just such an interesting topic in the typically mundane world of healthcare. Oh, yes. (laughs) Tongue-in-cheek, no doubt, mundane. I hear you. So for those of you not familiar with Fred, he's a veteran healthcare executive and the president of Accountable Health LLC, a Jacksonville, Florida-based consulting firm, and the father of the Medicare annual wellness visit. Fred serves on the editorial board of the Journal of Population Health Management and Population Health News, the best practices review panel for the Institute for Medicaid Innovations, Medicaid Health Plans of America. Fred is known on Twitter as at FS Goldstein. My background includes thought leadership and strategy guidance for hospitals, health systems, and physician-led ventures I publish and principally author acowatch.com healthinnovationmedia.com and precisionmedicine.center i am the founder and managing director of health innovation media do follow me on twitter via at the number two health guru okay now for today's show i'm gonna change the table turn the table slightly a little bit uh uh, with fred we're gonna have a conversation today and we're gonna dive into the amazon berkshire hathaway and J.P. Morgan foray into the healthcare cost conundrum uh, via everyone's seeming favorite clinician, author, and health wonk, Atul Gawande. So uh, I think most of our audience, to, this will not be news, but Fred, why don't you um, first up give us a little uh, sort of top line on this venture and uh, what's been announced and, and what you see to date. Kick it out. Kick it to you. Happy to do that, Greg. And, and it is really interesting. I think this one topic, this one issue of Amazon, Berkshire, and J.P. Morgan jumping into healthcare has added perhaps more excitement and and opened eyes than than things that have happened over many many years. So it's been interesting to watch. And now that they've chosen Atul Gawande as their CEO of this new not-for-profit organization that they're forming to. Uh, manage their somewhere between 1.2 and 1.5 million lives and their health plan for those individuals. I think that's really uh, further amped up the excitement to see on the one hand, is there something that can actually come out of this thing? And on the other hand, the skeptics who are saying uh, the system's impenetrable, it's too thick, you can't make a change there. So, you know, I I look forward to getting into that today. And I think that sort of lays the groundwork for for um, this discussion and and what we'll see coming out of it really is going to be interesting to watch over as uh, uh, Damone said over the next 20 years is what they're looking at for a time frame. So at least they're being smart enough to recognize it ain't going to happen overnight. Okay. So we have these 
trophy companies. Um, you know, you, one might say, you know, how do you characterize uh, Amazon? You know, all things web, all things Internet, all things tech, right? They're the sort of the high-tech uh, uh, infrastructure of, of God knows what percent of e-commerce that goes on in the world today. But there you have Amazon, their reach. J.P. Morgan, which is basically an investment banker, operates retail and uh, and investment banking, obviously. Berkshire Hathaway, also kind of a conglomerate, mostly of financial services, but not exclusively. And then all of a sudden, the name Atul Gawande gets tapped as their initial CEO. So what is it they're going to do, Fred? Talk to us about this initial vision, at least what we've learned to date. Well, I think, um, you know, as we've discussed about for, for many years and over many a, an evening, this whole issue of how do you control costs in healthcare and how do you improve the quality of the outcomes, which everybody knows costs are too high, quality is ridiculous compared to everyone else. And I think these companies sort of said, well, we're going to step out and, and make a difference. And we may not have the answers today, but we're going to bring in some of the expertise we have. And particularly, I think, you know, you, you mentioned Amazon and their technology and uh, and all of that expertise, machine learning and all the AI stuff they can run. But at the end of the day, Amazon is a very successful retailer that has um, been able to leverage data to do that, data about individuals to get them to buy things, to meet their needs, to shorten the supply chain, to make logistics work better, you know, take stuff directly from somewhere to your house the same day. And I think there's a lot of that sort of expertise that could be applied to healthcare. As uh, you've mentioned many times, there are tons of layers in this and there's a ton of inefficiency. So I think between that and, and then you add in this financing side of it, and maybe it becomes different from the financing vehicle too, in terms of maybe it's less billing and more upfront payment or things like that, that I think will be interesting to watch these companies uh, leverage as they roll it out. And so it's not just about the technology, but it, the, the 1.2 to 1.5 million employees gives them, a, in essence, a lab to test some of these concepts out at the same time as they do what they've said clearly they want to do, which is we want to lower the cost for our employees, but we, want to, we also want to make sure they're healthier. And I think by putting a physician in that role, it does uh, give them a little more leverage to say this isn't just a cost initiative. So... Okay, I don't know if this is necessarily rev- relevant, but the, you know, the last big go bold, big effort to make an impact here was the launch of Healthion back in the you know the 90s, and that was going to leverage technology and harmonize the disintermediate a lot of what went on in terms of the middleman role and optimize technology, and as we know, that effort was perhaps uh, a little too ambitious too soon. So this might be the next go big, go bold effort by an alliance of uh, major trophy companies with a not too insignificant critical mass of 1.2 million employees on which they can actually test some of these innovations. But let's talk about, let's peel off, what some of those could like the first one you've mentioned obviously amazon e-commerce supply chains you know the pill pack acquisition the licensing that that creates in now what 49 to 50 states let's talk about that as maybe quote low-hanging fruit 
for their employee health plan? What do you think? Yeah, I, I think you, you nailed it. it. It is low-hanging fruit. That's clearly an area everyone said when they dropped out of one pharmacy project, oh, they're not doing pharmacy. No, that was pharmaceuticals to hospitals. A little more complicated. This is a retail thing, and, and they're good at retail. And I do think, yes, they can test that out on the employees, but I think that's something we're actually going to see out there fairly quickly for, for the rest of the consumers. And particularly when you begin to think about individuals with chronic diseases, and, uh, and you saw immediately, I think it was CVS with the response, that so we're going to start doing home delivery of meds, that it's a simple, a simple fix. Um, if Amazon can then shorten that retail chain and, uh, and, and make it, you know, hey, we got it from the manufacturer, we popped it through PillPack, and out it goes to you, and it's delivered that same day or next day, uh, it's going to really create a consumer-friendly approach that suddenly I don't have to go to my pharmacy anymore. Um, I just go to Amazon, get my meds, or I get them through a, a, a discharge from my doctor's office when they order my script is going to be uh, something that, that they'll certainly I think will have an impact and will, given how Amazon likes to run on razor-thin margins to build the business up, it may save people a fair amount of money. So would do you agree with me that they're most likely to experiment, if you will, on their employee population at 1.1.2 million sort of uh, uh, homegrown audience versus trying to bake something that would be more generally accessible in the marketplace? Do you think they can kind of stay in somewhat below the radar stealth mode, see if this can work it out before it's scaled to perhaps be a model used elsewhere in the industry? I think the PillPack acquisition is something they're going to scale now. Um, I think other things that they begin to experiment with in other sectors of the healthcare system, whether it's, you know, relationship with primary care or how we're bundling surgeries or things like that are things they're going to be able to do quietly and figure out. And then maybe they launch that out in a retail. I mean, it wouldn't surprise me over the years to see them suddenly take, you know, some of the folks we've had on this show, like Health City Cayman Island, and bundle up a surgical price that you just go up on Amazon and, and get for your knee. Um, but th- I think those kinds of things they'll test. I think with, with uh, the pill pack thing, which is already out there, I think they'll probably just see how quickly they can leverage that out to the, the community through Amazon itself. So it would seem to me um, marrying up Amazon infrastructure with pill packs, innovation around packaging, and then the license for general market distribution of of their products and services that would not necessarily just be limited to the employee population per se. That would be an innovation out of the, out of the door at scale. Do you think that's likely? Yes. In some cases, and I think you may have seen the announcement by, by Amazon and I think it's Xelf, X-E-A-L-T-H. That right. They're going to allow uh, hospitals and the physicians in the hospitals to order supplies for your home upon discharge through Amazon. And they're testing that with Providence, I believe it is, up in, up in Seattle in that area. And so I think that's another one that could be scaled. It doesn't necessarily need to be tested through the employer infrastructure that they're creating with uh, Dr. Gawande and uh, the three of them, um, but clearly could be used for those employees that you know, end up being hospitalized just as it could be used for others um, who are not employees. So there's sort of a two pieces to this thing. And in some cases, the pieces merge. And in some cases, they don't between what the, 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 the ABC group with Dr. Gwandi are going to do and what the Amazon is going to do through their retail 
purchasing and then what the two of them do together to test. So there's some neat stuff, I think, there to go on with it. You know, an area I was wondering about, Greg, and this has obviously received some, you know, press, is not everybody's overly excited about this. And, um, you know, you were in the hosp- you've been in the hospital business for decades in some of the most sophisticated healthcare markets. What should the hospitals be thinking about w- when they look at Dr. Gawande and what um, uh, ABC is going to do with their employees? Because they're going to have some su- substantial lives, I would assume, in some communities. Oh, yes, no doubt. I, I, think, I think it's a big um, question mark as to how this fleshes out against local hospital or regional market strategy with, with them entering the market. And by them, it's, okay, what does joint venture ultimately look like in terms of the pieces that get launched? Is it then in a specific marketplace? Is it limited to the combined employee health benefit plans? Uh, or is this some other, you know, potential competitive threat to a major hospital system who's also in the, by the way, you know, affiliate business marketplace through uh, supplies and drug distribution and joint venture of uh, group purchasing, these kinds of options. I guess the question is how does this joint venture impact those, that portion of the ecosystem of which there are many moving parts. So I again come back to, all right, they could go really big and wide here, you know, uh, or they can kind of, roll out one, two, maybe three discrete, narrowly cast initiatives on that employee population, test it out, see if it works, and then there's something more than just sort of abstract buzz to talk about. Does that make sense? Yeah, and do you think, you know, um, as uh, uh, Buffett said, you know, we know we we can easily negotiate and get 3 to 4% out of the system, and he's not talking about lowering trend, but actually just taking that at today's cost, but we're going way bigger than that. Do you think the initial efforts are targeted more at those middlemen type things, or do they go to the hospitals and say, look, we're, we, we need a, a 20% reduction in your cost. And we're going to get it by different types of contracts or things like that for our employees. So, yeah. So again, I think it's an interesting partnership. I, I, I think Jeff, you know, Amazon, Jeff Bezos, have the most synergy with maybe the Atul Gawande's strategic vision of what this innovation could look like. The ones that have tender underbellies here are J.P. Morgan and Warren Buffett, because these are investment banks in some respects that have uh, that whose clients are is the very fat. Some of this innovation wants to cut out of the uh, uh, you know cut out of the system. So. You know, uh, I don't know, this could be good guy, bad guy kind of routine about who kind of takes the the arrows for a particular initiative and how it ultimately impacts the mar- in fact uh, impacts the marketplace. I mean, just to pivot from you know t- taking population health and really translating that into budget-based healthcare or global capitation. Okay, that, that that sounds good. Everyone could say, yeah, fee-for-service is the enemy, and here's the new way to, to do it. But there are a lot of people who are going to get hurt in that model. So as each initiative comes up and the implications for how it impacts the local marketplace get sort of vetted, then you're going to see people come in and out of, well, this really makes sense. I'm going to support it or not. So lots of questions for me. 
Yeah, so you raised something interesting. I just want to dig in a little bit deeper and, and see, get your thoughts on this. Do you think that, as you pointed out, you know, uh, J.P. Morgan is this investment firm, probably has, does a lot of work for a bunch of big healthcare systems, I would think, whether they're plans or, or uh, other uh, provider systems, et cetera. Uh, might, this, might this impact their business if they go too harshly? Is that what you were saying? That's exactly what I'm saying. And I think if you look at the J.P. Morgan Healthcare Conference and some of the uh, some of the uh, client companies that present, you've got every everyone from for-profit HMOs to nonprofit uh, health systems to faith-based this and that. Just the entire ecosystem is represented. And make no mistake, this is an ecosystem that's still largely fueled by a fee-for-service model. And we're hearing more and more discussion of value-based health care, but that is a range of initiatives from, you know, tepid to more aggressive. So, again, all right, what's, what's the rollout? What's the initiative? You know, what's the lifespan here? What are the objectives? You know, uh, how do we work? How does it impact the marketplace in terms of existing provider-payer community relationships? All that will then ultimately determine how things are going to be received got a big job and uh yeah the other thing about Tulgawande is he's brilliant he's an amazing mm-hmm. surgeon uh before he was popularized for his back to basics checklists which have really maximized uh, a lot of uh, promoted a lot of safety and uh and quality outcomes in local hospitals just going through a checklist before he was known for that he was known for this publishing this article in 2009 in the New Yorker titled The Healthcare Cost Conundrum. And, mm-hmm. and he was pro- profiling, you know, the city of McAllen, which then at that time had the highest per capita Medicare costs, with another likewise um, um, community that had half or less of the total spend. And he dove into, well, he got into all these conflicting incentives between mm-hmm. capitation versus do more to earn more fee-for-service production incentives. So, you know, it remains to be seen. He doesn't have management experience. He's got the vision. How he pulls it off is going to be a very creative process. Mm-hmm. And so do you think based on, you know, his prior work, et cetera, that, as he said, there's a there's a, a huge number of areas that could be fixed and make a difference. We're going to pick a few that, he, that there's maybe a couple of low-hanging fruit, easy um, things to test that start this thing and then they uh, expand out from there? Well, as you know, large companies, self-insured, major discretion over essentially how the benefit plan can be ultimately defined, the incentives that could then be created inside the benefit plan. And, of course, you you know, the major players are happy to sell uh, ASO services, so they're going to play along with, big employers with large employee footprints. So I would think they could test things like um, efficacy of wellness programs on the spend, mm-hmm. a more organized wellness fitness program integrated with benefit incentives and so on and so forth. They could actually model uh, better outcomes, health status, uh, re- reduction of hospital admissions, stuff like that. These key metrics could all be part of experiments or pilots inside a a captive population, which the employees Mm -hmm. obviously are. 
You know, one of the interesting things he said that I'm just wondering about now as I've looked at it again is he made the comment in this article on NPR.org that even in countries where everyone is covered by insurance, only about half of those with high blood pressure have it controlled. In the U.S., that percentage is closer to 40%. And as I looked at that and said, you, you know, yeah, you're right. But the question is, for those that don't have their blood pressure under control, is that a problem with the healthcare system or a problem with social determinants of health in the communities in which they live? And does, is he thinking he can actually impact those broader areas or has he not thought about that one yet? Well, I would think given his um, interest in the future of medicine, I think he's probably not aware. I think he's probably tracking with, with most of the innovations out there, but again, focusing in on what could be tightly drawn in terms of a specific initiative, you know, and demonstrate some rather quick results. Uh, the, you know, what, my earlier question up um, when we kicked off the program was, are we going to do this internally on our lab rats, the employee population, or are we going to try and scale, you know, whether it's supply chain using Amazon and, and PillPack to put a new uh, uh, zeitgeist together and what, how that performs. But look, there's, let me ask you. I mean, if you were uh, Jamie Dimon or you were Atul Gawande in this case, what would you advocate for in terms of the general scope of what they've outlined about where they're going to look and how they're going to make a difference? Where would you start? Where would you encourage them to start? I think I think the, the pharmacy area is a good one because I think there are certainly pieces of that supply chain that are adding unnecessary costs that could be fairly quickly replaced or or just pushed aside. Um, and I do think there's a, a, a consumer centricity to that that allows it to then create a life of its own with people saying, hey, that's a better process. I like it. I'm saving money. Um, I also think that within the care delivery system, um, you know, CMS under had really started pushing these bundles and some other things. And obviously CMS has pulled back from that. But I think employers are beginning to say, huh, maybe we should be experimenting there. I think that's something that would make a lot of sense uh, for the, them to be working on with their employees, these ideas of centers of excellence, you know, narrow that those specialty networks down to real high quality care providers, explain to your employees why you're using those high quality care providers. You know, maybe like Walmart has said before, where you give them the option, you can have it done locally, you can have a big out of pocket. But if you go to Houston at our center of excellence, we're going to send your spouse, you don't pay anything. And then they suddenly find that 40% of their surgeries aren't necessary for back surgery. I think those are the kinds of things I would start looking at fairly quickly, given the large number of employees they have. And, and in certain markets, I think they've got a pretty substantial number within that given market that they can then take to a healthcare system and say, okay, let's look at this model. Let's, let's, let's set it up to pay it this way. And as you pointed out, get those incentives aligned um, and see if they can make a difference. Absolutely. And I, I think you were, were both in agreement that the opportunity is, is ripest inside the employee-based population because they're captives and they have maximum control over how they tweak benefits, incentives, mm-hmm. negotiating local arrangements with, you know, the quote supplier ecosystem and so on and so forth. I, I think that's where they're going to see um, some of the greatest opportunity, but also greatest greatest challenge as well. 
So what's your impression uh, overall? Is this is this more likely to work than not? Are the naysayers who say you can't change the healthcare system, you're outside it anyhow, ain't going to happen? Are they more likely to be correct? Where do you sit on this? <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's the uh, question of the uh, millennium, right? Uh, as you as you well know, we've we've seen a lot of innovation in healthcare delivery and finance. Yet uh, the cost of healthcare just continues to rise. And the cost-shifting phenomenon continues as uh, we, as members, patients, or insureds, carry more of the cost of uh, the care that we need. Uh, Health plans aren't managing it necessarily, so they're putting more cost-sharing. So presumably we're becoming, you know, by by more skin in the game. That's that's one of the theories out there. You know, this whole patient empowerment, uh, becoming health literate, being able to sort of prudently engage the, the healthcare resources. If we can get us just educated enough to be mindful of how to engage in our healthcare choices, if we can then be guided into how to make those healthcare choices and then empowered by the tools that allow us to engage uh, in an ecosystem purposefully you know, best experience, best quality, lowest price, most value. That's, a, you know, where we are today to where one needs to be to have millions of prudent buyers out there individually determining their pathway through the healthcare system. That's a, I think that's an ambitious assumption under any circumstance. <laughs> I, I would say I felt pretty good by the comments by Diamond where he talked about um, high deductible health plans and said that, that things just haven't worked. They've made people get less care than they need. And so Absolutely. at least we probably won't see that, that approach, you know, just leave it all in the lap of the consumer or the patient and have them figure it out. Um, I also <laughs> kind of chuckled when you said with all of this innovation, you know, costs have gone up and it hasn't really gotten any better, which, <laughs> which almost made me think, could you define that as innovation? If, that, if right. the results didn't change it in the right direction, or is it just maybe we called it innovation, but we just added another layer to the onion of pricing and revenue generation. Yeah. Right. No, I, I, I wouldn't because, and you know, I wouldn't because we yeah, talk I've, I've a lot seen of, you comment on that quite a yeah, bit. On yeah. so, you know, we talk a lot about social determinants. We talk a lot about the triple, if not the quadruple aim, which are seemingly incompatible uh, objectives you know, to have um, lower per capita costs with increased access and uh, higher, better experience and better outcomes. That always seems to be you can have, you know, one of but not all of the above, right? So trying to mesh yep. that together and make it happen is the strategic t- challenge of all healthcare leadership today. And maybe mm-hmm. these guys can actually have enough control over a large enough population, tapping a lot of resources across, you know, their trophy companies, and maybe they'll find a way to articulate something that that has a shot at working. Well, I'm going to stick my reputation on the line right here, and I'm going to say, given their 20-year window, who they are, how they're thinking, that I think we're going to see some pretty cool stuff come out of this, and I think it, it may actually just work. Well, you're an optimist, Fred. (laughs) <laughs> Not uh-huh. typically. Okay. Well, I appreciate uh, the insights. I appreciate the long-term forecast. So with that, we'll uh, 
cue up the music here. Thank you all for listening. Hope you learned a few things about that. We really just touched on the surface here of the possibilities. And I don't know how many people appreciate that remark uh, that you just reported, Fred, about uh, uh, Jamie Dimon owning to the fact that high deductible health plans don't work. That is, in essence, code for we need comprehensive benefits. We need to reduce any financial barriers to comprehensive benefits. So it's going to He's advocating subtly to go in a completely different direction towards value-based health care. So I'll leave it at that. Well, Fred, thank you for your time today. I look forward to uh, our next foray on Pop Health Week. We're going to kind of back off a little bit for the summer months, but we have a lot of good stuff in the can, and we'll be publishing that uh, in our live absence. So for Fred Goldstein, uh, this is Greg Masters for Pop Health Week saying bye now. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.